It's time for The Drive on TSN 1200, sending you home with everything you need to know about sports. Now with A.J. Jakubek, here's Lever Sage. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Drive here on TSN 1200. Lever Sage, A.J. Jakubek, Matt Conesvita. On Tuesday. And you know what? Hail to the king can fire you up. The Sens were half this fired up that I am here today. Maybe they would have done a little bit better last night in Chicago. A 5 nothing loss to the Blackhawks. Lots to discuss. And the number of guests here on the program. We'll tell you about them in a few minutes. Mr. Jackie Beck, how are you on this Tuesday? I'm good. Great to be with you. Hello, Lee. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Matthew. Hello, gentlemen. Watched uh, that hockey game, if you can call it a hockey game, last night and saw quite a few commercial breaks promoting a new item at a fast food chain. So can you guys guess what I picked up on my way into the office today? Because if you, if, you if you know me at all, you know that I was going to have to try the chicken Big Mac. Yeah, I guess I'm just a little concerned that you put up a couple of commercials and suddenly, you know what, you got to try it. Like, yeah, I could advertise anything for if I put it on four times on the screen during a game, you're going to go and get Not it? anything, but I love a Big Mac. I like chicken. So chicken Big Mac, oh. see people hacking them in the commercial with the chicken nuggets or whatever. So I tried the chicken Big Mac today. And? Eh, not as good as a Big Mac. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, it was fine. Fine. It was, uh. Better, it was better than the Senator's effort last night. I'll, I'll say that much. Not as good as my goulash for lunch from Continental Deli, I can tell you that. Goulash. Look at you. Good goulash? Very Excellent. good. Yeah, see, you're happy now on a Tuesday. Yeah, all good. How ready do, to go. A, ready for my... Uh, a good goulash. Ready for my Tuesday night trip to Ambrun. Yep. 8.30 start tonight. Game two, Ambrun and Castleman. My first ever trip... To Embrun, so really looking forward to that. Before then, we got a lot of people to talk to. Yes, we do. Ian Mendez will join us. There'll be an interesting conversation with Ian just after four o'clock about the Ottawa Senators. Danny Sinclair, only the number one team in the nation in women's basketball, coach of the Carlton Ravens. Women's team going to the Nationals. That'll be at 525. Nadia Ducour. Quality control coach for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Second full-time female coach in the history of the Canadian Football League. Great stuff. Look forward to talking to Nadia. And that's coming up this hour, or next hour at 325. So we've got a guest in each of the last three hours of the program. All right, Mr. Jackie Beck, because you're the positive guy here on the program. Tell me why. Some days. Yeah, some days. And I feel like today might be one of them. And Matt, yeah. I didn't ask you this beforehand uh, because I didn't really mean it. But I feel like at the end of the program last night, I was like, AJ, just, you know, just on chance. What happens if they lose 5 nothing to the Blackhawks? And I think I said 5 nothing, although I'm not 100% sure. What happens if they lose 5 nothing? Never thinking that they would lose 5 nothing to the Chicago Blackhawks in Chicago. Way now, to go. You jinxed it. Now, 
yeah, like I have that much power or that you would even let me think that I had that much power, but you screwed them. Well, what you did was try and warn them. This is a good, you know, these are NHL players. These are good players just because it's not the strongest lineup in the world. Still an NHL team. And Ottawa found out the hard way last night that, yeah, these are still NHL players that can still have some pride and go out there and play hard. Yeah, nothing really good to say about last night's game. Excellent. Four hours of bad stuff. Yeah. Excellent. But I'm not I'm not going to lose my mind here today. This was due at, at some point post-Chikrin trade, right? Because it felt like everything's been good, right? You go out, you pound Detroit, you get Chikrin, you beat the Rangers on the road, you come home, Chikrin scores, gets an assist, you beat up Columbus, plan the parade, right? And that was a harsh dose of reality that just because you picked up Jacob Chikrin, who's a really good defenseman and a real good fit, exactly what the Ottawa Senators needed here, doesn't mean you're just going to cruise through the last 20 games and cruise especially against opponents like last night who aren't a very good National Hockey League team. But as I said yesterday, you know, these these are pro athletes. This is the best league in the world. You, you can't expect to just coast and win on any night in this league because the players are really good. And even though the really good players, the Reichels, the Entwistles, the the Radishes, and, and, and so on and so forth, haven't been able to figure it out completely at the National Hockey League level. And that's why they're put together right now on a Blackhawks team that isn't very good by NHL standards. They're still good hockey players. This is not Alabama playing Middle Tennessee State in a non-conference game in college football where if Alabama's dialed in, they win 63-7, to and if they're not dialed in, they win 49-21. It's not the way it works in the NHL. You've got to be dialed in every night, and, and maybe the elite can be not dialed in for a night and, and beat a team like that 3-2, but the Ottawa Senators aren't there yet, so... Doesn't change the math. The math still says they probably need to win at least 12 games, just like they did yesterday. Now, instead of, you know, you pick out the schedule, and it doesn't work that way with the schedule, right? We talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. But now, those 12 games, instead of beating Chicago, now you need another win against Jersey or another win against Toronto. So the, the job got that much more difficult, and... We'll see if they follow it up. The one good thing is they seem to follow up these crap performances and and respond. So I think they'll respond. And if they win in Seattle, it's kind of back on track because I would have said, okay, you split these first two games, you beat Chicago, lose to Seattle, then you need to go out and win the next two. Well, maybe you need to go out and win the next three, but just focus on trying to beat what is a very good Seattle team. So I understand what you're saying, and I I agree with you. I mean, that's well, there's, why nothing, I, there's nothing to like about last night. That's why right? I, asked I mean, you, it's it's just in terms of big picture, it doesn't change much. I mean, the the percentages went from the low 30s to the mid 20s, right? Like they they went from 
a, an okay chance to make the playoffs to a slightly less than okay chance to make the playoffs, but they still control their own destiny and they still need to play well and still need to beat a lot of good teams. Now they just need to beat one more good team down the stretch. But it's the way for me yeah, that, no. that that they lost last Nothing night. Like. It's it's I asked you that at the end of the program yesterday because yeah, it was their sixth game in nine days. It was at the end of a long stretch, and they're not excuses, but they were at some point going to lose a hockey game. And so we all know that. They weren't going to go perfect down the stretch. But I don't know. When you asked me and we talked, we, we threw around these different words, right? A professional win and a mature win and all that stuff. I said last night would be a mature win. I thought the Chicago game, and I told you that last week was a trap game or the game that they need to focus on that could be harder than you think because they had all these reasons why they were going to play well. Well, and they lost nine in a row to them as well, right? right? Which you would think would actually be an advantage that you might be pissed off about it at some point. But I understand that that doesn't go back with all these players, but it does go back two weeks ago when you blew a point that you absolutely should have had. You should just have been mad about that, let alone nine in a row before last night. But it was going to be a more difficult game than you thought. But it's the way that they played. Careless doesn't even begin to describe how they played last night. That was as immature a loss as I've seen in a long time because and DJ Smith pointed it out. And look, he took responsibility for it. I thought Brady Kachuk took some responsibility for it. Good for those two guys. They put it on them last night. And I do think the coach is right. When they're playing well, they don't give up a lot of odd man rushes. By my count, he said eight to 10. I, I counted nine last night. And it's interesting. I, I don't I don't know the numbers in terms of who generates... I, I mean, obviously Patrick Kane is gone, right? And so that's mm-hmm. and 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 to bring it from last year as well. But it's interesting that I remember talking to someone within the Edmonton Oilers that said before their matchup in the COVID year, right, five v twelve, that he was nervous about the matchup because Chicago generated more off the rush than, than any other team in the NHL, right? And now different coaches, there's different players, whatever. But it's interesting that you said that. And watching that game last night, and Edmonton, by the way, wasn't very good off the rush, and he was nervous that it might not be a good matchup, and it ended up not being a good matchup for the Edmonton Oilers that year, right? And maybe that's maybe there's something to do with that over the last five years, and those odd man rushes, and you know, if you if you play an immature type of game, right? And I think both of these teams. The Oilers and the and the Senators over the last five years have been accused of that, playing an immature game. The difference is Edmonton's got two of the best players in the world to mask that. Mm-hmm. But clearly, clearly there's some sort of matchup issue where you lose 10 in a row to that team. It's not just they're better than you, right? This is not losing 10 in a row to Boston or Carolina or someone like that. Mm-hmm. So there, there's clearly some sort of matchup inequity that Chicago's been able to take advantage of and yeah it, it's it's disappointing but i'm not going to it's it's still one game out of 82 and this still is not it, maybe it does end up defining their season right if they make a run the last heroic run down the stretch and they fall one point short and you say geez 
You'd really like that Chicago. You, I mean, you'd like that November month back, right? You'd like that Chicago game here back. You'd like last night back for sure. But it's still right there in front of them. It just becomes that much more difficult. And I can listen to an argument that if you're going to lose, be embarrassed about the way that you lose so that things get straightened around real quick. You get the attention real quick. I can listen to an argument about that, but it just kept, I know we've been over this, but Dave Smart and you and I, and we've talked a lot about, it's not about when you're at your best. It's about when you're at your worst. What is your level when you're at your worst? Is it still acceptable? Last night proved to me, it ain't acceptable. When you're at your worst, this team can be horrific. And last night they were. And that's the concerning part for me is not the fact that they lost the hockey game. It's the way that they lost. Embarrassed by the worst team in the NHL. In in the standings. Yeah, they, they looked like a completely different hockey team, right? When they're, when they're dialed in, they, they've shown they can compete with pretty much anyone in the NHL. I don't think they're there yet with the Bostons or Carolinas, although they've got two wins against Boston this year, right? So yeah. there's that. But, yeah, um, they're going to be able to stew for a couple of days over this one. And let's see a response. Let's let's see a win in Seattle. It's not about, right? And I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, and, and we're back to this here right now, and it's going to be the, this way for 19 games now. I don't care that Seattle's a good team. You just laid an egg. You need to make up for it. You need to go out and win in Seattle. So, simple as that. But not not just respond and show a good effort and lose 4-2 to a very good Seattle team. No, you, you need to go out and make amends for this and go out and get two points and get back on track and, and learn from this experience. And You're never going to play 82 great games, but their margin for error because of their start is is getting thinner by the day. And to me, it's more than just the response against Seattle. And you and I talked about this before the show. Like, no more of these. Like, it's over. Right now, you cannot go out and perform that way. And it's not about beating Seattle. Yeah, they need to, to win. In Seattle, they have a tough road trip coming up. They're not going to win every game. But you got to be there at the end to give yourselves a chance to win almost every hockey game you play. And if you don't win them, Okay. But the good teams, especially when they ramp it up, the mature teams give themselves a chance to win and they don't shoot themselves in the foot the way they shot themselves in the foot last night. It was like watching a completely different hockey team. And it's so hard to explain. If people, It's not hard for me to explain. I think they read their own press clippings and... Do you think they believed they were better I, I, than I th- what they were? Yeah, I think they were planning the parade in the room a little bit. Seemed to me just lack of urgency and just an immature performance. And when they got down a couple, they You're panicked. I don't even know that they, I, I guess panic is the right thing because we saw the TSN did a great job on the telecast catching DJ Smith in the uh, TV timeout, telling them no more odd, odd man rushes. 
you know, stick to the game plan and we can come back against this team. And they didn't listen to the coach. They kept trying to force things and Chicago just feasted on them. Seemed like you're right, like a lack of urgency and then some panic. Not believing in your own game plan, right? And you look at when they came back against Calgary, and what did they say after that game? We stuck to our game plan. You don't have to win every time. You just can't be embarrassed like that. Tells me they're not ready yet. I want them to be ready. I know the fans want them to be ready. You hope that they can be. Well, the next 19 games, are it's a reset. Mm-hmm. The next 19 games are going to show if they're ready. Simple as that. First loss with Chikrin. Now they know. Now they know that Chikrin isn't the solution to all of their problems, right? He helps them. It's a great addition. Slotting's better, all that type of stuff. What did I t- say to you? I mean, I've said this numerous times over the last few weeks about the Ottawa Senators' defense, pre-Chick, Chikrin, and post-Chikrin. I thought their defense was pretty adequate mm-hmm. throughout the season. But a lot of the Ottawa Senators' problems in terms of their blue line this year were not about just the lack of an extra top four defenseman, which they need and a lot of other teams now they don't really need, but a lot of other teams around the league need. Ottawa's a team that I think uh, a a lot of teams around the league would envy and look at that blue line and say, wow, that's a really good top group for a long, long time. The problem with that group is that everyone needs to play to their potential. So just because you have on paper what looks like a really good top six or a really good top four now, it doesn't change the fact that they need players within that group I'm not going to, we all know who I'm talking about, to play better. Thomas Shabbat, when he plays to his capabilities, is one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. But there are too many nights like last night where he's not an $8 million defenseman and at times he's too much of a liability. That's what, in terms of what you're talking about and what we've talked about in terms of what are you at when you're worst? Mm -hmm. We know how good Thomas Shabbat can be when he's at his best. At his worst, he still just needs to be like average. And I think, look, he's taken a lot of criticism for, I think, not just his answers last night in the media, but his tone. Especially when, like, it's it's striking the difference between his comments and Brady Kachuk's comments. And I'm not expecting Thomas Shabbat to be Brady Kachuk, to, to go and, you know, have to be held back on Staylock and come out and take responsibility after the game and sound mad. He, he, he looked mad on the ice. He sounded mad off the ice. And and you know it's genuine. And And look, I don't want... Thomas Shabbat is going to be Thomas Shabbat. Not everyone's going to be Brady Kachuk. I'm not going to judge Thomas Shabbat for what he says in the media. I'm going to judge Thomas Shabbat for what he does on the ice. But the problem with his comments in the media last night, in terms of the tone, 
They sounded like he's played. And and I don't care if he sounds like that and he plays a different way. But I do care when he plays like that. And then when, when he sounds like that, which is casual and laissez-faire, it leads you to believe that he's too casual and laissez-faire when you watch him play. So like I said, I'm not going to judge him. I don't want Thomas Shabbat to come out in the media and spew a bunch of things that he doesn't believe. I want him to be himself. But you want him to be himself and be a little bit more competitive. Sound a little bit more competitive? Sure, whatever. That doesn't matter if he's not playing it. You want to see it on the ice. And and that's the problem. So, And, and it's not just him. There are a lot of guys that were passengers last night. I really didn't like that to brink it fly by on the second goal. Oh, for sure. So there, there's, there's a lot of things. Again, there's a lot of things not to like. And I, it's just one game. But I, I, I think it puts a stamp on the fact that Jacob Chikrin isn't going to solve all their problems. Because this team, he's one guy. He's one guy on this team. He helps this team in a lot of ways. But all the problems that you had before don't get solved overnight just because he's here. And I think that was a pretty good reset, or should be, for this group down the stretch that, guess what? You've got to go out and play the same way with or without Jacob Chikrin if we're going to make the playoffs. Every night. Not not 14 nights. 14 nights isn't going to cut it. 19 nights. Mm-hmm. Good reset. I'm not worried. Not worried at all. We'll see if they bounce back against Seattle. And we'll let you hear a little bit from the post game last night, just to, again, when people talk to the media, it doesn't give you a true indication necessarily of what's going on in the room. But I think what you had to say there is a very fair comment. You have an eight million dollar player that didn't look. He looked very casual last night, and he sounded casual after the game which was not the tone that everybody else had after that a big show looking forward to talking some more sense want to know what you think about the senators last night does it concern you about the way that they lost or is it just one game is it a one-off and they're right back at it the way that they were playing on Thursday as they go into Seattle. Lever Sage, AJ Jackiebeck, Matt Connors Vita here on The Drive on TSN 1200. Let's get back to The Drive on the home of the Sens, TSN 1200. Welcome back to The Drive. Lever Sage, AJ Jackiebeck, Matt Connors Vita. Got our eyes on the Tim Hortons Briar in London. Big game going on right now. 5 and 0 WC1 That's Brendan Botcher's rank. So 5 and 0 against 4 and 1 Brad Gushu in Canada. They are playing each other right now in the second end in Pool B for the right to be called the the top of Pool B, which actually makes a difference when you win the pool. You know what I love is uh I ran into Chris Stevenson. Okay? And Curling was on the TV here, mm-hmm. like in that green room. Yeah. 
and there was I can't remember which team, but there was a WC one or I think it was Botcher's team. Okay. Because it was it showed the Alberta flag, Botcher's one of the wildcard teams from Alberta, correct? Correct. So it showed I think it is is this Botcher here? Yeah, yes it is. WC one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, WC one. Brendan Botcher. Yeah, so he just was, explain that to He everyone. was losing his mind over the fact that why is and I'm like, oh my god, this is right up Lee's alley. Has he not heard me? And I, now I he's doing this on his own? Yeah. Oh, CJ and I. Yeah. No wonder he's filling in for a couple of days when you're gone. Yeah. Here on the drive. Oh, we're so in, he right up right well, up your and you know what, you you do have a when you brought this up the first time, you sold me right away. It it does look ridiculous. Well, the problem to see Canada against WC one, <laughs> right? But the like, pro- the problem is AJ WC one is five and zero. Oh. They're and they were an amazing team. You asked me who some of the favorites were. Brendan Botcher is one of the best curlers in the world, and he deserves to be in the Briar, even if he didn't win Alberta. Lost to Kevin Cooey in the final. Right, deserves to be there. One of the best curlers in the world. Do we need to call it WC1? The guy's 5-0. and When you turn on the TV right now and you see Canada and WC1, no score. You're like, what the hell's going on? Anyway, so the top of Pool B. And it matters because, you know, Rachel Holman's rink, who didn't. Tracy Fleury's rink, pardon me. Emma Miskew's rink. Maybe we should just call it Emma Miskew's rink. But that whole rink finished second in their pool, had to play an elimination game before the page playoffs and lost. The winners of the pools, it matters. I I like that part of it. It's just a bit confusing for everyone. Got the worlds here. Yeah, early April. April 1st through... Ninth at TD Place. Can't wait. So, like we've said before, we know a, a whole bunch of the other teams that are in. But what's interesting is that those teams have been together for a long time around the world. In Canada, we have these unbelievable events. Like, how much money does the Briar make on television, sponsorships? How much money did the Scotties make? They're, they're massive events in this country. I understand why we have them. But as we sit here on March the 7th, you have no idea who's representing Canada at the Worlds April 1st. Other countries have known for a long, long time who's going to be there. So it's just a different philosophy, right, in the way that countries go about it. A lot of good teams, though, in this tournament. We'll keep yeah, an it's eye- going to be a great event here. Keep an eye on it as it goes along. Should we share some of that? I mean, you shared some news with me on the break. This well, big, this how about is- Coach of the Year? Eastern Ontario Triple A. Okay. So former NHLer. Mm-hmm. AHL Hall of Famer. Oh, now I know who you're talking TSN about. TSN twelve hundred analyst. And now Eastern Ontario Triple A Coach of the Year of Kempville, the one and only Brad Smith. Wow. Congratulations, yeah. Smitty. I'm wow. going. Uh, I'm going Saturday to see him coach. Yeah, not to see his team play. To see him coach. No, to see his <laughs> team play. Going Saturday to the Richcraft. It's a bunch of playoff games. Saturday early evening, late afternoon. 
And so that's uh, it's Embrun tonight. It's Athens tomorrow. It's Watch Seattle Thursday, Friday, date night, and no games <laughs> on date night this week. It's great to have AJ schedule for the whole week on Tuesdays. Saturday, go see Shooter Coach, and Sunday I'm working the uh, Sands and Flames. So You should tell people you're not going to be on this particular program on Friday. No, Friday I'll be on In the Box. Friday I'll be on TSN Mornings. So you got to hold it down for Team Drive, Lee. Yeah, well, to do so, they needed to come up with something special, right? You can't just take away two-thirds of the drive, take away AJ and Matt, and think that everything's going to be okay. you got to circle that day. Are we bringing them back? you got to circle the day and go, what are we going to do to even come close to making up for you two guys? We've got to have something special. Is it yeah. TSN weekend on the drive? It's a one-day reunion. Oh. Of TSN Weekend coming up on Friday with Graham Creech and Steve Bunda oh, nice. for Incredible. the entire four hours. I was just made aware of this very recently. I, I didn't know. but I, 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 I might have to wake up from my nap <laughs> from working. So, Sens are in Seattle. It's a 10 o'clock Eastern puck drop. Thursday night. Yeah. Thursday night. And then I'm, the alarm's probably going to be. Four twenty, four twenty-five on Friday morning. Always nudge earlier when you're saying that in public and you're coming in with the boss. Just say three fifty or something. Make it seem like you're getting up. Alarm three thirty-five exactly, Friday morning. Exactly. So I'm gonna need to wake up from the nap to uh, catch some of TSN weekend on the drive. That's outstanding. Wow. Yeah. It's that's big time. Right Sorry, there. AJ. I'll be napping during in the box probably. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Lloydie's going to carry the show anyways. Why? You get a chance to sparkle from 10 a.m. to sparkle. to 2 p.m.? Why would that not be your time to shine? Carry the show. I'll do my best, but... Okay. He's the man, so... <laughs> WC1's up one nothing. by the way. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I know that we've... Reached out to Shooter. Big timing us right now. I mean, he's coach of the year. Can we call him Cody? No? C-O-T-Y? Coach of the year? No? That's could. No. You shouldn't, but you could. Okay. I don't like Shooter Tutor either, though. So. Sounds like he ate too many beans if he's the Shooter Tutor. Yeah. Anyway, looking to reach out to Brad Smith before the program is over. You want to get to the web poll of the day, yes, AJ? Yes, let's do it. Brought to you by the Tool and Equipment Store, tsn1200.ca. Of course, you can find it on Twitter as well. There's a lot of big games tonight, too. Um, every time I say something to you, every time. So I, I need to be better at this. Every time I, my, my computer just goes and freezes right up. And it's exactly where I'm going to go, and then it it goes. So I will be better to have it on multiple devices next time before I bring the topic up. Well, let's have a look at the tsn1200.ca web poll question of the day. For the tool and equipment store, what will the Sens do with Alex Debrinkit this summer? Sign to a long-term deal, qualify at $9 million, trade. Sign to long-term deal. Kind of 
Depends on what he wants to do. Yeah, but that's it, but the big it, part of it. And to get into his head, you don't know. But it does feel like if they want him and he wants to be here, and it does sound like he wants to be here from some of the things that he has said, that you can find a deal with him. He's had a really, he's had a good year. He has not had an out of this world year. And I think that will come into play in the negotiations that, look, we want you to be a part of it. We traded for you. We really like you. We want you to be a part of it, but we we can't give you, you know, this massive amount of money. And I think Alex Dabrinkit would understand. I think he would just take fair value to be a part of this. And for him, fair value is going to be a lot of money, but I don't think it'll be this over the top crazy money. I have no idea what he wants. And that that's a lot like, right? He he holds the cards here. Yep. In the sense that for sure. He's a year away from unrestricted free agency. He holds the cards, so a lot's going to depend on what he wants. I I think it's a tough situation for the Ottawa Senators right now because I don't think you can pay him both from where you're at going forward cap-wise and what it's going to take to get Jake Sanderson done amongst others. I don't think you can afford to pay him the same kind of money that Stutzlow's making. Right. In an ideal world, he'd come in somewhere around $7.5 a year. But I don't know if that's going to get it done with him. I don't know how badly he wants to be here. I don't know if he wants to be here at all, right? I mean, I don't think he hates it here or anything like that and seems to fit in well with the group, but that doesn't mean he wants to sign a long-term contract here. I have no idea. So, Well, and how can people know, right? Maybe he doesn't know yet until owner- ownership changes and what goes on in the summer and where the team's going to be. and like There could be a lot of changes coming with this team, and if you're in the spot for Alex to bring it, you probably wait until some of those changes are made to see where it's actually going before you do anything. And I'm not sure that, you know, when he talked about yesterday in the scrum about waiting until the summer, that might be on both sides. Yeah. Like both sides need to wait until the summer to find out what the landscape's going to be. And I know that seems like you're pushing it down the road, but I, I think that's the only fair way to look at it. I don't think Alex DeBrinkett should make a decision before the summer, and I'm not sure that the Ottawa Senators should before the land. Everyone knows what the landscape is. So it's a hard question to answer, but it's nights like last night where the value went down a little bit for me. And again, I'm looking at the entire 82, but like when Brady Kachuk talked about cheating. That was the one play that was top of mind. Right. On the 2 nothing goal. Pretty, pretty simple. Anyone that's played any reasonable amount of hockey knows you've got to be between the puck and the net. And he got caught cheating. Next thing you know, back of the net, it's 2 nothing. Yeah, I think a lot of guys. And it's one mistake, right? I'm... I'm not going to bury a guy from one for one mistake, but right now I think they've got a pretty good core. You'd like him to be a part of it because he should be a pretty good goal scorer. It's not at the numbers that he's had in the past. 
but he's been a good addition to this hockey team. But they need to take more steps, right? And and let's see what the last 19 games bring and go from there. But right right now, I'm not if, – if he's asking for $9 million a year, and I know that's the QO, but it doesn't mean just because it's the QO you have to – you're beholden to give him that on a long-term contract. If that's if it's nine million or bust on a long-term deal, then guess what? Find a new home. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you, if you're signing him to a long-term deal, you'd hope that the number would come down because you're giving him some term. Don't know what he could get. Do you really want to put yourself in a spot where you have the player next year at nine million? I don't know. There's a lot of things to to work out before then. TSN1200.ca. Tell us what you think about Alex Debrinkit. Come back, read a couple of texts. In the 3 o'clock hour, Nadia Ducour. Quality control coach, the Ottawa Redblacks. Second female full-time in the Canadian Football League. We'll have Ian Mendes on in the 4 o'clock hour from The Athletic. And we'll talk some basketball as well. Danny Sinclair at 525 with the number one team in the nation. The women's Carlton Ravens team going into nationals this week. Lever Sage, AJ Jackiebeck, Matt Conisvita here on The Drive on TSN 1200. Let's get back to The Drive on the home of the Sens, TSN 1200. Welcome back to The Drive. Lever Sage, AJ Jackiebeck. Matt Connors Vita. Hey, lads, I believe that they should leave the defense the way that they had it in the first two games. Great players on each of the three pairs. When it changed it last night, they're all out of sorts. They play like that on Thursday. The sound of ankles breaking will be deafening as people jump off of the bandwagon. From Shane O'Mac. A little wrestling reference there. Uh, guys, if we can't sign to break it, Maybe we should try for Demko or a player or a pick. Thanks from Tom from the TO. And Mark wants us to explain qualifying offers and how they work. Yeah, in, in terms of the first question, I, I would you make of the goaltending last night? Like, it didn't help, right? The first goal was not a good goal. It's, it's still not ideally... Like, he was hung out to dry a lot, for sure. So, they didn't lose because of goaltending. But you needed a save there, right? And it didn't help that there's this late mad scramble to get an e-bug in and all that type of stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, finding out just hours, not even hours, before the game that Cam Talbot was not going to be able to go and trying to get Mandelazy there and the e-bug goalie and... Yeah, I would have liked Mad Sogard to be better last night. And I, I heard all of them. We'll let you hear from a bunch of them. Everyone was like, we hung him out to dry. We told him it wasn't his fault. It was our loss, not his, all that stuff. And, you know, a couple of the questions last night about how the goalie was better than the shots would indicate. Sure. But I'm with you. 
you make a couple saves early and you don't have to overcome anything. And you maybe have a better chance of staying in the way that you've been playing. Now, it is their fault that they did seem to lose all sense of what their system is when they got down last night, especially the 2 nothing goal. They just look like that's on them. It's not on the goaltender. Well, yeah, it all didn't help. Kim Talbot getting hurt the last second and all that stuff that you talk about didn't help. Not making a save. And that's been a little bit of a trend on Mad Sogard. It seems to take a little bit to get into games. A couple of bad goals and they got overlooked in the Detroit games. But that trend worries me a little bit. That seems to take him a little bit longer to get into the game. In terms of qualifying offers, essentially, so his cap hit is $6.4 million because he signed a three-year contract for $19.2 million, but the way it was structured, he made $1.1 in his first year, $5.1 in his second, $9 million in his third. So he's got one year left after this contract is done, which is in the offseason, before he hits unrestricted free agency. So... If by a certain date they don't get a long-term deal done, they would have to qualify him at $9, billion, $9 million right. just to retain his rights. So he could essentially either walk in the offseason, which would not happen. You, at, the, at the very least, if you couldn't come to an agreement with them, long-term, you either trade him or you qualify him. And you would have to qualify him at $9 million, which he would be able to take right into unrestricted free agency. So I think most people expect either long-term contract or a trade before it gets to the point where they need to qualify him. Would you agree? Yes. A decision would have to be made either way. You're either in or you're out. But having a guy playing on a $9 million tag with the ability then to walk out the door or having to trade him at the deadline and having to do that with everyone knowing that you have to do that is not a good situation. Or you just keep him because you expect to be a bit, yeah, bit better next I, yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no right answer, right? I mean, you look at Posternock, right? He came in. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't mean because he hasn't signed, but you have to know at least there's You've got to make sure if you're not close at all. And if he's adamant that he's going elsewhere, and I think you'll know in the off season, then you move him. But I think it's either long-term extension or move him in the off season before it gets to that point. Yeah. I think the Bruins took a gamble that they might not be as good and that posture numbers, even though they wanted to keep them, weren't going to be as good. And then he's better and the team's better than you ever thought. And guess what? He got paid. He got paid. Come back with what you need to know. Get you into hour two. Nadia Ducour from the Ottawa Red Blocks will join us in the next hour. Second full-time coach, female coach in the Canadian Football League. Ian Mendez. Will join us, talk about the Sens. Be interesting to see what Ian thinks. 
just from an outside perspective on the effort last night and where they're going from here. And then Danny Sinclair, coach of the Carlton Ravens women's national team. They are the number one seed going into nationals this weekend. And Danny will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. You're listening to The Drive here on TSN 1200.